self-awareness. That's what step 10 is. If I get that I'm powerless, then acceptance just happens. I don't have to work on acceptance. I have to really work on acknowledging how powerless I am. If I really get that I'm powerless, acceptance just occurs. It's an offshoot of powerlessness, just like patience and tolerance are an offshoot of compassion. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, my little chickadees. That was the voice of Mr. Bill C. that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment on this episode Number 161 of Sober Speak, that would be uh, Ciento Sixty Uno. I think I got two of the three right there. Or I could say Uno Seis Uno. And I think that would all be right. But nonetheless, you get it. It's episode number 161. But first things first. This episode is coming out to you and brought to you by and sponsored by, not sponsored in, you know, like the AA sense of the word, but sponsored by like, you know, they gave a little donation. It's sponsored by George and Cecilia and Trudy and Jolene and Gerhard. Do you folks know what George and Cecilia and Trudy and Jolene and Gerhard did, well, let me tell you, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow Donate tab, and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, George and Cecilia and Trudy and Jolene and Gerhard. This episode is coming right out to you. As usual, we are going to let all the other folks listen on in with us and uh, be along for the journey, but this episode is coming right out to Ewan's. Speaking of the website, wasn't even going to talk about this, but you know, I always say a little prayer before I begin these things and just say, you know, oh, please God, let me, just let me say something to somebody that will somehow Oh, either bring them joy or, you know, help them in their walk of recovery, uh, whatever it is, is that needs to get out there. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm like you guys. I'm just trying this one day at a time. And speaking of the website, like I said, uh, we're going to be having a, 
a, a new and a, and a redesigned website coming up here pretty soon. Uh, by the way, I also meant to say I'm out of order now, right? This is like when you're in a real meeting and things go out of order. I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. I didn't want anybody having a, a meltdown because, you know, they didn't hear the proper format or whatever. So we're redesigning the website and we're going to have actually a new logo as well. And by the way, when I say the word we, that's very, uh, uh, it's a loose term there. We means really I have not much to do with it at all. Uh, my wife comes to me with some <laughs> final decisions on various uh, things that need to, to happen on the website, but my beautiful bride, Shannon, is taking care of most of that, along with Rick W., who has been on this podcast in the past. And basically, I'm trying to make it a little bit more user-friendly, mobile-friendly, and I want to also make it eventually kind of like a uh, a site where where it's not just my site, it's your site. Now, obviously, oh, I will have control of it, but I want this to be a, a, a meeting place, you know, someplace where we can all come together and you can learn things and it can help you in recovery and all that kind of stuff. So, in fact, I wasn't planning on this either, but uh, uh, beginning in the new year, I was thinking about if there's anybody out there who would be interested in doing something like this, just let me know. Um, I, I always... Here's what I've learned is that opportunities will present themselves and I get an easy path to the things that I'm supposed to be doing with this podcast, with the website and everything else that revolves around it, including the super secret Facebook page and all that stuff. So, but if you're out there, what I've been thinking about doing is taking the episodes that are there already and creating a blog out of them. Now, writing is not my cup of tea, but if you, like, for example, if you listened to, I, I don't know, like today we're having Bill C. Step 10, but if you've listened to Bill C. Bill C. Step 4 and 5 or whatever he has out there, and you could make a blog out of the content that he has created already and says, Bill C. says this about uh, Step 4, et cetera, et cetera, and we could post that on the website for others to see because a lot of people learn better by reading. You know, I'm not one of those, but a lot of people do. And um, I think that'd be really cool to have that on the website. And so anyway, if you're out there and, and you would be interested in that, that'd be great. I already have folks who help us on the website. Those being, by the way, as I've already mentioned, my beautiful bride, Shannon, Cassandra helps me. Uh, with, I say helps. She does all the Instagram posts, and, uh, but I, I, I reply to all the, the, uh, the direct messages that we get. And we have Bridget. Bridget lives in Mexico, and she actually creates all the little synopses, synopsises of the uh, speakers and the, the summaries, and, and then we get them on, on the website, and we get them posted on the episodes and the show notes. And so, you know, if you're out there and you want to do that for service work, you got a little bit of time on your hands, you think that'd be cool. If you have any other ideas, reach out to me. I'm at John, J-O-H-N, as Sober Speak. Com. All right, so guess what, folks? We are going to have another shindig, another shindig with Mr. Gary K. 
Gary Kay will be our final live event for the year, and that is going to be on December 4th at 7 o'clock p.m. in the United States de la America. So that's Central Time, 7 p.m. in the United States of America, and uh, it's going to be a, a Zoom meeting. So everybody can attend. You know how, you know, sometimes you go, I wonder what that guy looks like. Well, if you want to know what Gary Kay looks like, come on into the meeting. And all of the Zoom info will be posted on our website, soberspeak.com. And uh, it's also in the Super Secret Facebook group. And I think it's also on our, our public page, which is uh, uh, facebook.soberspeak.com, uh, forward slash soberspeak.com, I think. Anyway, the public page can be found by anybody. But to be a member of the Super Secret Facebook group, you have to send me your email and we get you an invite out and all that kind of stuff. So, and if there's anybody out there who would like to advertise this for themselves, uh, you want the electronic version of this, uh, of this uh, event, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I can get you that electronic version and you can distribute that either on your social media outlets or you can actually physically post it in your group if you're actually meeting uh, in person. As a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, and a new one that we have recently is on Amazon Music, and you can find it also wherever else you listen to podcasts. And if you can't remember any of that, you just want to go to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and you'll find all the links to the aforementioned on the website where you can subscribe to the actual podcast. Once again, as I've said in the past, I know, I know, folks, your time is valuable, and there are so many other things you could be doing with your time besides listening to my silly little podcast here, but I so appreciate you tuning in. I truly do mean that from the bottom of my heart. All right, now on to a little bit of Mr. Bill C. What are we going to discuss with Bill C., John M., you ask? Well, we're going to discuss COVID. We'll discuss uh, him and his uh, being an in-demand, what they call circuit speaker, uh, both during uh, COVID and before COVID and what the difference is like. Uh, Bill says in this episode that steps one through nine are like the first semester in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I love that. He talks about powerlessness, blaming others. Uh, not taking things personally, and self-awareness. And he also talks about what is it like to be transformed and to walk a spiritual path. And much, much more. Enjoy, Bill. Okay, everybody. So we are back with Mr. Bill C. from the Los Angeles area one more time. So first things first, Bill, I'll, go, I'll have you go ahead and... Uh, Introduce yourself for those who may not have heard you on this podcast or in any other place before, and give your sobriety date if you wish, please. Hey, everybody. My name is Bill, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober since March the 27th, 1985. That's quite a long time, Bill. I am very impressed by that. As you should be. <laughs> And what did I, I, I asked you how things were going with you right before we started. And you said something to the effect of 
they're doing it to me. Everyone's doing it to me. What did you tell me? Well, I'm just hiding out, trying to protect myself from the whole world caving in on me because it's all about me all the time, right? That's right. <laughs> okay, so last time we got together, we it was actually uh, released it as episode number 150, and it was called Bill C. Steps 8 and 9 in Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're going to try to pick it up from there. But first, I, I, you know, I'm just curious, uh, with this whole COVID thing, um, I, 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 some people are going to know this who are listening to the podcast and some people are not right, but you are uh, affectionately known in the AA realm as a circus speaker. In other words, you, you go out to a lot of different conferences or have in the past and you speak at those conferences. And, um, obviously when COVID hit, change, things changed. Um, so I guess what I'm wondering is, how does that affect you and and your getting out the message? I know you're involved in a lot of Zoom meetings, but just talk to me about your experience so far. Well, it's been a really fascinating experience. I mean, just from any AA member, I, you know, I've been around AA for 35 years, and I've always gone to meetings, and I've always enjoyed myself. I've, I've never drifted away. So you know, you get very comfortable, especially you sober a long time, and you're very comfortable with your home group and where you go. And, and people ask me to speak, and I go fly places and do it. And it's a, it's a grand adventure. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then when this hit, that all stopped. Everything stopped. I mean, the meetings were gone, and everybody, including me, is like freaking out. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? I mean, what's going to happen to the newcomer? What's going to happen to me? You know, how are we going to get together? I mean, this and, and people are resistant. You know, people, oh, it's, it's a bunch of BS. It's not real. You know, we're not. And, and people were resistant to the Zoom. We're just going to keep going to the meetings. And then the facilities closed down, essentially, is what happened. Nobody could go because the facilities say, no, you can't come here. And within a week, my home group uh, was on Zoom. I mean, the young guy stepped up and said, we got the technology. Let's go. So things start happening. We're on Zoom now, and, and nobody really likes it, but it's an interesting, you know, if you're not afraid of technology, which a lot of people are. You know, it's been very difficult for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of what I've done is try to help people get on it. Look, you don't have to be afraid. You can do this on your phone. It's real simple. I mean, there was a real transition to that. And uh, so then you start getting asked to speak, right? Well, what has happened is like <laughs> the rest of the world – doesn't really have speaker meetings. Uh, a lot of countries don't really have conferences, not like we do. Like, oh, okay. I didn't think of that. And they don't have speaker meetings. The classic Alcoholics Anonymous meeting throughout Europe and Asia and everywhere else you go is a 10 or 15 minute lead in participation. That's, that's what happens. That's what AA meetings are in most of the world. And, uh, you find that out when you're traveling, like you'll have a conference somewhere and you realize that this, this is a new experience for these people. They, they've never heard a series of speakers at a weekend conference. This is, this is new stuff, right? So now with the Zoom thing, this is a true story. You got a guy, a guy that goes to a meeting outside of Dublin, right? His regular home group meeting is like 15 or 20 people. And they have the same 15 or 20 people for God knows how many years. Well, this particular guy is online a lot, right? He's downloaded and heard speakers just at home. You know, he gets them, 
gets recordings and he's kind of into it. So he goes to his group and he says, hey, we can get these guys to come and talk to us for nothing. What do you say we do this and get one of these Americans, you know, to come talk to us? So that happens. The guy con- reaches out and contacts me or someone, right? He says, will you come and speak at our little meeting? We're going to make a speaker meeting. Well, sure. By okay. the way, just real quick, how do they find, you know, I have run into this issue in my world. And what I mean by that is when I, when I decided to start doing this podcast, I said, okay, well, I'm going to get people like Bill C and others on the podcast. But we're an anonymous organization. It's not like you could go search Bill C's phone number and email uh, like you would a celebrity or something like that and find their agent, right? How very do people easy. find you? It's very easy. You just like search on Facebook. The guy, yeah. first thing he'll do is he'll get on Facebook and he'll send a Facebook messenger m- message to you. And I happen to be on Facebook, right? So once they get one or two guys, then they ask me, can you get a hold of Carl Morris? Can you get a hold of Steve Lee? Can you get a hold... Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. And I send them the information. And that's happened to me. So it's a snowball effect. It took the guy probably five minutes to find me. Okay, so I got you off track there. Okay, so this guy invites you to come that's speak what at happens. his meeting. And you come and speak at his meeting, right? And uh, and so people are intrigued or put a, whatever happens. Now, that particular meeting, when I went and spoke there some time ago, was maybe 25 or 30 people. It's now 150 to 200. And there's people that are coming from Europe and coming to that meeting. And, and it's just like, and then some guy from Scotland, he goes, wow, this is pretty cool. And then he contacts me, you know, gets my name from that guy. And I go speak at this little meeting in Scotland now, you know, and it just has snowballed. I mean, mm-hmm. I have never done so much AA in my life. I mean, I, I, I'm speaking, doing a series in Russia through an interpreter. I've done a series in Tehran through an interpreter. Uh, you're in Australia. Just, I mean, I mean, I had to finally start saying, no, I can't do this two or three times a day. Yeah. So that was my next question is, has it, does it seem like a job sometime as opposed to service? The other day I had a friend of mine was over here and I was telling him, you know, it feels like a job. And he, he disdainfully says to me, it's not a job. And I stopped and thought about it. And I looked at him, I go, you know, sometimes it's just a job. <laughs> not a spiritual pursuit, you know, I mean, you're punching the clock, you know, I mean, and it, it kind of gets like that, but you know, I mean, for, I'm retired. I can do it. I have time, but you can't, it, it, it is, you can't sit in your house and just sit on, on the computer all day, every day. And it's kind of like that, you know? So the other thing that's happened, which is really fascinating is I made up a little list of people I know that aren't like the quote unquote circuit speaker. And I'll give it to these people. I'll say, call this guy, you know, and now there's the opportunity for a whole lot more people to get an opportunity to tell their story than there was before. Mm -hmm. Right now there's people that have got some time. They have a good story. You know, they're just not into that. You know, now they can have an opportunity. So it's been really cool to, to try to fill that void with some new people, you know, and, and, but there are online zoom conferences now and, workshops and history weekly history things and just it's an explosion a whole world of this stuff and i do not believe this is going to go away you're going to see hybrid meetings where the meeting room is going to have a big tv and people can zoom into that meeting because my home group just quickly i know we're going on here but no you go home group 
I've been bragging about my home group for, you know, out on the road for 30 years, right? Hermosa. Hermosa Beach Men's Seg. Now, people that have heard that and have met me somewhere, they're coming to the meeting now to check us out. We have guys from South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, throughout Europe that come and show up to the meeting, you know, it's and it's added this whole new flavor to the meeting, you know, so it's 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 been a fascinating transition. The other thing, quickly, there's a real money problem at GSO, right? I mean, the meeting stopped, you know, the, the cash flow stopped. They had to pull $3 million out of their reserve. And so for those listening who may not know what the GSO go, is, go ahead and explain that. Well, it's the General Service Office in New York. It's the head headquarters of AA, right? And, and so they get their money revenue from meetings that donate and literature sales, both of which have essentially stopped, you know, not completely, but great deal. They had to pull $3 million out of their reserve. So a bunch of us, not just me, a lot of people, you know, that have been connected to this for a long time, got together. What are we going to do? We got to help out here. Well, GSO has never been on a campaign to get money from individuals, right? Well, now they put a uh, button on the website, uh, 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 aa.org. You can go there. There's a button. You click it. You can go on there and you can make a personal monthly donation. You can set up a donations, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever you can afford. And we sent this out. I sent it out on my mail thing, you know, and then other people have sent it out all over and they have essentially wiped out that debt. Ah. Like a new source of revenue for the fellowship coming from individuals. And as the meetings have started up and got more sophisticated and Venmo and so on has happened, the cash flow has now changed. So the fellowship has really stepped up, you know, and, and taken this bull by the horns and, and solved a, a major problem. This was a major problem. I love it. And I you can imagine AA is not about promotion, right? So they don't have a marketing plan. They don't go out and market stuff. like this, you know? So us marketing people stepped up and said, well, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the aa doesn't have a chief marketing officer no, to go out there and do that work right yeah. i get it you know i Sometimes also wanna... you need to promote right <laughs> i i had talked to you uh, like a month ago or so i can't even remember what we were talking about but uh we were on the phone and and um I had mentioned uh, about the, you know, the real life conference is starting back up and and you said something to the effect of you were kind of struggling with an invite you had had to a particular conference. I think it was in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, and whether you were going to go or not, and you know, you're in a high risk group and in your health and talk about that situation a little bit. Well, that particular retreat was in Tucson and finally I had to make a decision. You know, I mean, I'm 73. I've had a liver transplant. I'm on immune suppressants and I do not go anywhere. I don't, I, I stay home and we have a very comfortable home and we have a, a good backyard. So people can come over people. I socialize, you know, but we do it, try to be, nobody wants to be responsible for killing me off, you know? So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty careful, you know, I believe in it. I, I know, you know, I believe in it. So the Tucson thing, and I contacted them and I said, you know, I can't do this. I can't in good conscience. I just, I can't do it. I was going to drive down there. A guy was going to go with me so I didn't have to fly. But I told him, I said, you know, I'm just nervous about it. My wife is nervous about it. I called my doctors. They said, not you, not you. So what I did is I helped him find a replacement. And, uh, and I'm just thinking, you know, we've got a men's retreat coming up in December for my home group. And I, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. 
And uh, I feel I feel bad about it, but that's kind of how it is. Right, the way of the world. People are trying to start up events, and their meetings are opening up again. But there's spikes all over the place, man. It's it's like uh, I just think we should be careful. I think one the world can really learn something from Alcoholics Anonymous and our traditions. Our common welfare should come first, mm. and I think yeah. there's a societal component of that, not just AA. I think you know our common welfare as people on this planet we should come first. And, have you ever used the traditions in any other arena? I mean, you're just referencing it there. Have you ever used the traditions in any other arena except for Alcoholics Anonymous? I mean, I heard people about doing it in family, in business. Have you ever made an, uh, an intentional effort in that arena? Yeah. You know, I've, I've tried to use that in my business life. And I just, it's interesting. I had a meeting with some people here recently on Zoom, some guys I've known for a long time that are in the business world in AA and, and we had an actual meeting about how we apply that in our business structure. And uh, one of them is leading by consensus, you know, getting people together and brainstorming some stuff and making sure that everybody has a voice, you know, and the minority opinion can present itself. If we decide we're going to go in a certain direction, somebody disagrees, we allow that person to express once more their feeling about it. And then we'll, we'll take another little vote and think about it again, you know, because just because most of us want to do something doesn't mean it's the right move. And AA kind of runs that way. If you go to the conferences and stuff, you know, general service conferences, it's, it's like that. And I've tried to use that in my business, you know, lead by consensus as compared to by, by dictation, mm-hmm. dictatorially. Uh-huh. You know, the common welfare thing I think is really important. You try to acknowledge individuals' concerns and, uh, you know, especially in this COVID thing, you know, we had a, several guys at work in my company that were insecure about coming to work. We said, we get it. That's fine. We'll work around it. You know, you go ahead. If you don't feel comfortable about coming to work, then don't come. And your job is not in jeopardy. We'll, we'll make concessions, you know. You know, I know you do the, uh, the daily AA email. Uh, it's, it's, uh, if somebody wants to get on this, once again, it's Bill C at kitchentableaa.com, correct? Do I have that right? Yes. right? Yeah. Uh, have you noticed an uptick in the people subscribing or anything anything around that email that you've noticed since yeah. COVID? You know, the interesting thing that's happening now, because of the technology that we have available today, I'm communicating with people on WhatsApp, Google Duo, Facebook Messenger, texting, email, there's a few, Skype, you know, I mean, there's, and I have to check that. I put it on all those apps on the front of my phone to see if there's a number next to it, you know, like somebody's trying to reach out and talk. And there's an immense amount of that happening right now, especially the more communication there is overseas. A lot of people like to use WhatsApp. So I had to get tuned up on that. How do you use that? Because that that's free and that people like to use it a lot, you know, and there's time differences We've all had to get familiar with the, the damn time differences. You know, when the guys in New Zealand show up to our meeting Monday night, we ask them, hey, what's tomorrow look like? You know, <laughs> they're clearly not in the present moment. They're in tomorrow. You know? and so, yeah, I've noticed a lot more communication. You know, a lot of people from your sober speak have reached out and want to get on my email thing. But people are just kind of reaching out in general. There's just a lot more communication. 
the other thing that I've had to really pay attention to is it's up to me. I need to reach out too. I'm pretty good about answering the phone, but what about me reaching out to people that I haven't heard from in a while? You know, we've got several guys that I've been sober with a long time. I don't see them in meetings. They don't like the zoom thing. So they're just hiding out. So I try as best I can. I'm not real good at it, but to reach out to those guys, call them up and say, what are you doing? You know, where are you, what's going on with you? You know, how come you're not coming to the meeting? So let me ask you this. Do you yearn to get back to a traditional meeting and a traditional conference? Absolutely. I miss the contact. You know, I've gotten used to the Zoom thing, but I miss the contact. And and being a speaker guy, all of us speaker guys, we miss the audience, the crowd, the response from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, you you don't realize how much you miss it until it's not there. And on my screen, I have a big iMac, so I can see 25 people at a time, but you don't hear them. You can't hear them. And uh, and I, I really miss that. But I, I miss just sitting. I mean, my Monday night scenario is the meeting is from 8.30 to 10 because it's a real AA meeting. It's an hour and a half with no break. That's a real AA meeting. <laughs> stuff, right? This is old school. So at 8.30. So we show up, a bunch of us show up at seven o'clock and we sit out in the smoking section out in the parking lot. They set up a little area and we smoke cigars and BS for an hour and a half. And that's where the real meeting happens. People start coming up and, you know, talking and BS and people and where have you been and all this communication. Then we go to the meeting and then afterwards you hang out for another half hour, 45 minutes. And I really miss that. I, I miss that. You know, that that's a. A real AA meeting is about four to five hours long. You've know, <laughs> you know, you got to spend some time there. Right. And uh, and I really miss that. I'm, I'm a very social person, and I, I've always loved that. And, and I, I really miss that a lot. We talk about it a lot, too. I just have to ask you, I'm looking over your shoulder, that gentleman with the New York City, is that Bruce Jenner in that particular I'm, photo? I'm, it's who? John Lennon. Ah, oh, there. Okay, I, I, I didn't see the full thing there. Yep. Now I can see him. Right. John, my buddy John. Do you? Do you? Uh, is he one of your heroes? Sure. I'm. A, I'm from the '60s, man. <laughs> we just lost Eddie Van Halen. I know. I know. That was a. Uh, That's some rock star stuff, right there. Yeah, that was a shocker to me. I just. I couldn't even believe it. Um, 65. Cancer. Yeah, like mouth cancer or something like that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me do a little uh, break here and then we'll continue. We'll be continuing our conversation with Bill C. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. And there you can find approximately 160 or so other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please, please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not we are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Now back to Mr. Bill C. In fact, there are so many causes that we could talk about to go into controversy in 2020, but we will avoid those. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and pick it up at step 10. 
Bill C. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. What comes to mind for you? Well, let's do, do a quick refresher about this. These steps one through nine are about 10% of the program. It's not the work. It's, it's the first semester. It's, it's what you have to do in order to develop a message that has some depth and weight kind of clear the decks so that you can really start the real work in AA, which is 10, 11, and 12. That's that's where we live. That's 90% of the program. That's what's going to keep you around here. Now, what I've been thinking about a lot, and I know we've talked about this on, on, I think, the live podcast, but what is spiritual condition? What is that? What's it made up of? How did I get one? Do I have one? And more importantly, how do I maintain it? What, what, what practically, how does that really happen? When you work these steps, you're in the program. How does it practically happen mechanically? And my belief is, is that, you know, the first concept that we're introduced to when we walk in is powerlessness. I think we talked before about how much that becomes a much larger concept. It, it's much more than just drugs and alcohol. Just the life experience that you have, you realize that you're just utterly powerless over pretty much everything. And the source of all the suffering in anyone's life is their inability to really grasp that. And we talk about acceptance a lot. And how do you how do you learn to accept things that to you seem unacceptable? You know, the way life looks right now, especially now. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff I don't like. I think it should be different. And I'm under the illusion that I can't be happy unless things outside myself are different. This is the source of all of humanity's suffering. So this powerlessness is the, the first pillar of spiritual condition, you know, and, and as time has gone by for me and many others, you realize how true this is. The second thing when you do the inventory is you learn that you have to stop blaming other people for your problems. It just simply doesn't work. You, you're powerless over them. And if they need to be different and things need to be different in order for you to be happy, there's no hope because I'm powerless over them. So it's a logical thought progression. And you really realize that high school's over. I have to stop the blaming. I have to stop, you know, blaming my dad, my mom, my teacher, my wife, or my several wives, whatever is in your story. If it wasn't for these people, things would be a lot better. That just simply has to stop. It doesn't work. Even if it's true, there's nothing you can do about it, right? And then the third thing, when you make the amends, which we talked about in the last session, is what you really learn is that nothing is ever personal. Nobody was ever doing anything to me. They were just doing what they do. And sometimes you're in my blast radius, you know, that I, I'm just, I'm not doing it to you. I'm just doing what I do. And you, you happen to be next in line, you know, to be confronted with my rage or my intolerance, whatever it is, you know, okay. So you learn those, you put those three things together, right? You're powerless and you start really understanding that. The more longer you live, the more you realize how powerless you really are. And you really don't need any power. Things are just kind of unfolding in front of you. Right. The best thing you can come up with is to be aware of that, you know, wait for the next opportunity to present itself and then grab it. OK. You know, the second thing I got stop blaming. I can't sit around and, you know, whenever I'm disturbed, it's always me. I don't like that. But boy, it sure seems to be true. You know, life experience will teach you that. Usually what happens is something negative happens. Then I react and my reaction then becomes the problem. And everybody forgets about what the initial problem was. Now, what's happened? What happened to Bill? What, what, you know, he's off the rails. He's screaming down the street naked. 
what happened to him, you know? <laughs> I get it. Okay. And then the third thing, if nothing is really personal, what the hell am I defending? If nobody's doing anything to me, what, what am I defending? So what happens is the fourth pillar of spiritual condition, <clears throat> self-awareness. That's what step 10 is. If I get that I'm powerless, then acceptance just happens. I don't have to work on acceptance. I have to really work on acknowledging how powerless I am. If I really get that I'm powerless, acceptance just occurs. It's an offshoot of powerlessness. Just like patience and tolerance are an offshoot of compassion. You can't really work on specifically patience and tolerance. You need to work on, if you can call it that even, realizing that I, I lack compassion. If I'm compassionate towards you, I'm automatically patient and tolerance. That's what compassion is, the essence of it, right? So if nothing's personal, I'm powerless, I can't blame, <clears throat> this egoic structure that I've put together of who I think I am begins to collapse. I mean, the whole premise, it's the collapse of the alibi system, right? You know, it's like, if you're not doing anything to me, what am I defending? If your opinion of me says more about who you are than it does me, why am I concerned about what you think of me? Mm -hmm. If it's true that my opinion of you says more about who I am than it does me, why am I even bothered to judging? Why am I judging? You know, I mean, it really, this becomes real. This is a real thing that happens. This isn't airy-fairy spiritual, read it in a book, you know, concentrate on something specific and then it'll happen to you. This is the evolutionary process of walking a spiritual path, right? If I get the powerlessness, I do an inventory and I make my confession and I go about making amends, I will be transformed. Well, what does it look like when you're transformed? What's it say in the St. Francis prayer, you know, to die is to be reborn, you know? I mean, what are they talking about? What kind of death are they talking about? They're talking about the death of the egoic structure, the death of who you think you are, true selflessness. And what any spiritual path is, is going to subtract everything that's stopping you from seeing that you already have everything you need. There never was anything missing. That feeling of separation I had when I was a kid, was it real? No, absolutely not. You know, we can't possibly be separate. We are connected one to each other and to everything in nature, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. That is the absolute, absolute structural fact of our existence, right? And the illusion all the gurus are talking about is that we think we're separate. You know, like Chuck Chamberlain used to talk about the only real sin is conscious separation from God. You know, now he qualifies that by saying conscious separation. So evidently, in order for me to feel separated, I have to construct some sort of a thought process to make that happen, because in reality, it simply isn't true. I I want to give an example there, because I have a friend of mine named Mac, who I think you know, and I know he's on your email list. Uh, he's gone through a lot of health issues lately, and uh, he has always said, I got this from him in a meeting, and he said... Um, he would come up on a situation, and I understood this. I completely related, related to this, and that is he knew that if he were to sit down or kneel or just take some time, whatever he was going to do, to pray, that that praying would work. But he made that decision, and I relate to this. I knew praying was would work, so I didn't do it. And that is a conscious separation from God. Well, the other thing that we do is we create a God 
and then don't believe in it. What do you mean? Well, I used to argue with my sponsor about God. There's no God. And his response to me was, I don't believe in the God that you don't believe in either. <laughs> when we say, I don't believe in God, which kind of God specifically is it that you don't believe in? Because there's probably a, a specific God. You know, it's like the anthropomorphic man-like creature in the sky that's ruling over us. I don't believe in that. But what about something else? Somebody else could throw out another concept to you. You know, what about the synergy of the universe? You know, this maybe there's all there is is consciousness. There is nothing else. Like there's a finite amount of energy in the universe. So the science physicists tell us there's a finite amount. Maybe there's a finite amount of consciousness. You know, maybe what black energy, dark energy is and the weak force is consciousness. Maybe that's it. What Howard Polins would call spirit. Maybe that's what's holding everything together. What about that? What if you not believe in that? Well, sometimes you can have that conversation with somebody and it'll say, well, that, that sounds like, okay, okay. Then I'll trade your one that you don't believe in for this one. Try this. Right. One. Right. Well, why should I bother praying to it? You know, that's what I said to Howard Poland's one time, the scientist, you know, do, can you really communicate with it? And he goes, Oh, absolutely. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he just laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably the greatest subject in the world. You can just talk about it incessantly. And if you do talk about it a lot, somebody's going to throw something up to you that you like. Right. That matches your vibration, you know. And to me, what this is, when you talk about self-awareness, like the 10th step, the 10th and 11th step are really kind of joined at the hip, really, to me. And 12, really. I mean, it's all three of them together. But if, if you look at it from the standpoint that uh, self-awareness it's about making amends in the present moment. And, and what this is, is an experience. It's an experience that some of us have had, and we're trying to put it in words, which it, it's difficult to do. You know, I mean, I have a certain verbiage that I use to try to describe this experience that I've had. What is self-awareness, you know? What is what some people would call God consciousness, right? In the appendix two, Wilson talks about this. Some call it God consciousness. You know, conscious uh, connection to God is paired to constant separation. Do I pray? Yes, because it makes me feel good. I don't pray so much as much as I like to meditate. You know, meditate, I can actually feel the connection. But there are moments of inspiration when you cry out in, 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 in genuine desire Please relieve me of the bondage of self. That's my favorite prayer, you know. Relieve me of the Bill C. persona, please. <laughs> it's really painful, you know. Sometimes it's just, it's a little, uh, it's a heavy load. And I be relieved of that, you know, please. And now that's a genuine prayer. I have said that with, with real heartfelt, and I, and I have been relieved of it. Then it comes back, you know. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, but that's part of the human condition. It's like, how are we capable, when you, people talk about the God thing, that the finite mind, the mind with limits, can't imagine or, or contemplate the infinite, something that has no limits. I mean, if you get into astronomy and you start looking at the size of the universe, you know, it's, um, it's incomprehensible. They start talking about light years and stuff. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that's incomprehensible, not just the concept of God. So we have these experiences. We're on a spiritual path, right? And we actually have the experience of realizing at depth, emotionally, 
that nothing is personal. Like that's not just an intellectual concept. That actually comes, you actually realize the truth of that. You know, that people will say things like, well, you know, people everywhere are just doing absolutely the best they can. I think that's literally true. I mean, why would we do less than the best we can? Mm -hmm. Some people you look at them and go, boy, they need to be different. (laughs) You're powerless. Remember that? So pretty soon you you come to this realization. Usually, I think when you're 70 and then 30 over 30 years sober, of your life, you finally just give up, you know, that everything is absolutely as it should be all the time. And it always has been, you know, there, truly, there's really nothing wrong, but it sure looks wrong, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. There really is anything wrong. Self-awareness is when you can actually watch yourself think. You actually are able to step outside yourself in, in a, a practical way and watch yourself move through life. In the 10th step, it talks about making amends in the present moment, doing a daily review. How am I doing? How am I, you know, how's it going here? Now, you can put that in a moral construct, like, was I a good boy today? You know, it's like, you know, I mean, that's one way. That's a simplistic form of it. Did I do well? Because I've got a list of ways that I should be, and sometimes I'm not like that, and I'm a bad boy. So, was I a good boy today? You know, that's not bad. That's simple. And I kind of think that, you know, did I piss anybody off? Did I overreact to a situation? How am I doing? In self-awareness, if you're truly self-aware, you can nip that stuff in the bud. You know, you you have that, because we pause when agitated or doubtful. Have you ever had the experience of standing in front of somebody and you're getting ready to say something and you think to yourself, are you going to say this? Right. You know, you know what's going to happen when you tell that guy he is an idiot, you know? <laughs> For thinking the way he does, or the store clerk that's going too slow, or the person with 12 packages in the 10-package line, are you going to say something? Are you going to insert yourself into this injustice in the universe (laughs) by you or not, right? (laughs) Now, on a good day, I don't do that, you know, if I'm I'm really self-aware. You know, and, and the 10th step is all about that, doing the daily review. And I know people that actually write down stuff every day. They write down not a big, long list. They just make a few little notes before they go to bed. Yeah, I, they even have apps nowadays. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, make notes of that kind of a thing. I think that's really constructive. What I concentrate on, now, at least at this point in my life, is I try my best. And, and I do, a, I think, mostly a pretty good job of staying in the present moment of being right here, right now. And right now in the world that we live, you and I live in today, there's a lot of things to be worried about. You know, and about two months ago, maybe not quite two months, I shut the news off. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. When we talk about applying this in a practical sense, uh, and, you know, the news and everybody getting all riled up, you watch any of the cable news stations, you see the four boxes and the four heads of people arguing with each other, uh, and you get riled up. So how how does one take the 10th step and apply it to just, you know, social issues? There are times that I think that I should be more socially active, right? That I, rather than just sit around and, and complain about the political situation, uh, maybe I should get involved and actually do some work. If I, if I want to put myself on a certain side, get out there and do something. Do something practically to do that, right? Well, what I've determined for me personally, number one is I am 
absolutely powerless over all that stuff that's going on. And then when I look at it and I get involved in it, I've made the determination that there are things that are profoundly incorrect, really unfair and unjust. And I find myself as polarized as the people that I think are so polarized. I'm just as bad. So I have to ask myself, am I emotionally um, mature enough to handle that conflict? And I've determined in all my grand spirituality, no, I'm not. (laughs) I end up MFing some people for sure. No, No. You know, now maybe I've been given enough space to where it doesn't happen right away, but it's coming. You know, I can feel it. And the the reality of my life is I'm an AA guy. That's my world. That's where I exist and move and have my spirit is in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's my world. And I need to spend as much time in that world as I possibly can because I love it. Not because I don't want to drink. I'm not afraid I'm going to drink. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of people that need help, including me. You know, the more I interact with people, the more it assuages my discomfort, right? And in that present moment, in here sitting, talking to John, looking in my computer, I am perfectly comfortable. This is where I belong. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, there's other people that are much more well-qualified than I am to deal with this political situation. And I can throw a little money at it. You know, I do that. I give people that I support and I agree with, you know, and I can do some stuff like that. But other than that, I don't need to be in that chaos. It's beyond my capability. I'm powerless over it. It doesn't do me well. It really disturbs me. I start thinking about it and projecting into the future. It's the end of our country. It's, you know, it's like I go there, you know, and I, and I'll sit there and watch three hours of news at night, you know, it's like, and then try to go to sleep. <laughs> And it, it doesn't work, you know. No. I, just, I needed to, you know, my sponsor is telling me this, and I literally shut it off. Now, I've had a few slips, you know. You're right. <laughs> I think I've got, like, three days now, you know. <laughs> like that. But I feel a lot better. I mean, just emotionally, I feel a lot better. The other thing I've done is I started walking, right, in the neighborhood. I live in a really nice neighborhood. It's got some great, nice meaning. There's not a lot of traffic and stuff, and I can walk in the street. And uh, my wife and I do it together a lot. But I, I'll do like 10,000. I'll try to do five miles a day. And I walk around the neighborhood, and I don't listen with headphones. I don't. I just want to be right here right now looking at the asphalt and my feet right in front of me. And I can feel my body, and I'm alive, and I'm okay, and I'm 73, and I survive, and I feel strong and vibrant. You know, and sometimes I feel weak. I lean into that and I just walk slower. Just keep moving, keep moving, get the blood flowing, get some oxygen to the brain, you know, and I come back and we have a little swing on our front porch. I come back and I sit on the swing and the cat jumps up and sits with me and all is well in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. All is well. There's nothing wrong. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm safe. I'm sober. What else do I need to know? Bill, we are going to have to pick up with another session at some other time. Will you be willing to come back and record another episode with me? And uh, Absolutely. All right, my friend. I'm going to end it here with page 164 from the big book. Abandon 
yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, my friend, Mr. Bill C., I have so enjoyed talking to you, and we'll schedule some more time and get you back on the schedule, okay? Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bill C. As mentioned at the end of the episode, we are going to get Bill back on the schedule again soon, have him go through the rest of the steps and maybe even some additional information. Remember now, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but if this episode meant a lot to you, go ahead and share this episode or the podcast with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. On to a little bit of listener feedback. The first bit of feedback from you feedbackers. Oh, maybe I'll start using that some more. Anyway, is from Olivia O. Olivia O says, thank you, John. I just found your podcast recently. It was recommended to me by a follower of a little sober inspiration Instagram account that I run called at sober underscore reference. So if you guys want to check that out, feel free to do that. Once again, that's at sober underscore reference on Instagram. She said, my favorite speaker so far was Rich, who is actually not Rich. It is not rich. <laughs> and now I'm, uh, now I'm confused who runs that Rick. I'm sorry. It is Rick. We were one letter off the H for the K Rick who runs that take the 12 website. I probably listened to about a half a dozen episodes so far on your podcast. It is my new meeting between meetings. As you say, I got sober almost four years ago in New York city. And I now live in the Boston area. All the best, Olivia O. Well, all the best to you, Olivia O. Thank you for writing in. Mike DMs me on the Instagram and he says, John, I was working out today and yesterday and listened to Matthew M. talk about steps one through seven as a surrender. I sent you a message off your website wanting to know when he's going to be talking about eight through 12. Really love the podcast and glad I found it. I'm in Calgary and I'm sober since January 7th of 1993. Well, Rick from Calgary, thanks for writing in. And I had several, several people write in about Matthew and ask when he was going to be taking on the rest of the steps. And I can tell you, I've got him on the schedule. I haven't got him recorded yet, uh, but stay tuned. That should be coming uh, fairly soon. Katie DMs me also on La Instagram and she says, Hi, John. I just discovered your podcast last week and I have been listening to as many episodes as I can fit in. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon since April 2nd of 2012. And over these eight plus years, 
I haven't been to enough open AA meetings. In my opinion, I truly relate so much to the alcoholic experience and hearing y'all always touches my heart. Your podcast has a great way for me to hear more of the AA perspective during this pandemic. While I'm not able to get to in-person meetings, and I'm truly grateful for that. Although I'm not an alcoholic, I'm often assumed to be when I attend AA meetings, big smiley face. I think that's because I don't look like most of the people who attend my local Al-Anon meetings here in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Well, you know what? I used to live up there in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, Miss Katie. Katie, um, I, I lived in the Waukesha area, in fact, but nonetheless, she says I'm typically younger and I'm the only one with a purple mohawk. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Big smiley face. She says, whether I look like I fit in or not, I know the rooms of Al-Anon or for me. The program has helped me grow into the woman I am today and has helped me truly find myself in a sea of alcoholism and drug addiction that is all around me. The guests that you have had on the podcast have been wonderful, and it means a lot to me to have access to everything they have to share. I'm in a meeting where we where we actually study the big book, even though it's not conference approved for Al-Anon, and I can find a way in which I can relate to the text and the message. The meeting that you and your podcast are bringing helped me to see the help me to see that the alcoholics in my life are not so different from me. Good point. Katie, we're all trudging the road of happy destiny together. Thank you so much for your service and for your delightful silliness in my my ear each day. I've been listening to the... Thank you for calling my silliness delightful, uh, Katie. I don't think everyone sees it that way, but I'm glad you do. Anyway, I've been listening these last few days to help me prepare to be a speaker at an open Zoom AA or at an open Zoom meeting on Monday, uh, November 16th. Oh, we just passed that. Anyway, she says, My best friend is the AA speaker, and I am the Al Anon speaker. So I've been brushing up on my quote, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today, unquote. Oh, and friends of Bill. Uh, and friends of Lois know me as Katie S from the from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Well, Katie S with the purple mohawk in an Al-Anon meeting, <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I love that you study the big book too. Uh, I think that's fantastic. I know that there is controversy, and I'm not going to get into that here uh, today, but uh, I'm so glad that uh, you wrote in. I'm so glad I can be a a small part of your recovery, and I'm glad that we can help you with the AA perspective. Thank you so much for writing in, Katie, with the Purple Mohawk in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, And so if any of y'all run across her there, uh, make sure you mention that you heard her a message here on the pod. Fiona writes in and she says, Hi, John, could you add me to the super secret Facebook page? And I said, well, of course I can, Fiona. We got her in there. She says, P.S. I love, love your podcast. I listen while I'm driving 
exercising, and going to bed. I'm assuming those are at three different times, not, you know, the exact time, because that'd be really tough to exercise and drive and go to bed at the same time. But she says they have without a doubt, they have without a doubt, sorry, help me in my sobriety. Thank you. Kind regards, Fiona. Well, as you know, Fiona, we got you in that super secret Facebook group, and I am so glad to have you in there. And I'm so glad that you have us along for the ride with you. Makita writes in from Fiji and She says, hi, John, my name is Makita, and I'm a recovering alcoholic that lives in Fiji. We do have an AA group here in my home country. Love listening to your podcast. I was listening to Gary Kay on meditation. Looking forward to hearing more of your podcast one day at a time. Makita. Well, Makita, a couple things. We're going to have Gary Kay next week on December 4th uh, at 7 p.m. Central here in the United States. Hope you can join us. And uh, he may be talking about meditation on that live episode. And uh, anyway, I don't think I've ever heard from somebody uh, from Fiji. I believe that's in the South Pacific out there near like New Zealand and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I will tell you this. We do drink your water over here. I don't know if you know that or not, but we have something called Fiji water. Now, it makes it sound like real exotic. They probably are getting that water from like a a creek in Alabama or something like that. But it does say Fiji water, and we're very thankful for you to to, uh, to give us that water. and by the way, if if you live in Alabama near a creek, I'm I'm sure that water is just fine too. It just you know, no offense, it's just probably not as exotic as Fiji water. In fact, I've never seen a bottle of water that says Alabama Creek water. It probably wouldn't sell too well, but but you get the idea. Nonetheless. Catherine writes in and she says, John, I'm living in a sober house in Dallas after spending a year at the Burning Tree Ranch. I believe that's a, uh, a, uh, a treatment center here in the Dallas area. She says, I'm four months into one year uh, aftercare program. In these four months, I've turned 70. I've had a hip replacement. I'm working a menial job. I'm writing public transportation, living with uncomfortable roommates, uh, a, a roommate dynamic, separated from my husband and my family in Montana, and living on a very modest budget with very few belongings, and I am content. I have peace of mind that I've been chasing down rabbit holes for decades. I can smile from my soul today. More importantly, my tears returned. Oh, Catherine, that's so good to hear. She says, I've been involved in AA since 1994, and I could talk it amongst the best of them. I was arrogant. I was phony. I didn't have a clue. And I don't think it's possible to have an entirely new experience. I didn't think it was possible to have an entirely new experience with the steps. I knew too much, or so I thought. The very same words out of the big book, um, a life of their own, dots were connected. Was surrender was dis- disguised and and as compliant and I was as compliant as the first time I came in slowly but surely these things these promises laid scattered all around me 
I realize now I know very little, but I like it this way. Brian P., by the way, I can't, I can't uh, say his last name. He's been on the podcast before several times. Uh, and she says, Brian P., uh, the spell check, by the way, changes his name to Brian Percocet. <laughs> She says, he was at the ranch when I first got there, and I'd never heard a story. I knew nothing about his bank robbing escapades, but I love hearing it. He's such a dynamic speaker. Look forward to more, Catherine. We're, we're going to have, by the way, uh, more Brian P. back on the uh, podcast here very soon. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate you writing in. Chris writes in, and he says, hi, John. My name is Chris S., he actually spells his last name, but I guess you really didn't need to know that. And he says, my sobriety date is 821 of 2019. I found your podcast and it's truly been a blessing during the pandemic when in-person meetings have declined. I recently listened to Bill C. episodes number 135 and 136, and I was surprised to hear Bill was a transplant recipient. I had a liver transplant on January 7th of 2020. Mine was fully due to alcoholic cirrhosis. I'm only 48 years old. I truly enjoy listening to the podcast during my daily walks. Can you please add me to the super secret Facebook club? My email is such and such. Thanks for all you do. As you know, Chris, we got you the invite out. And I got you also in touch with Mr. Bill C to talk about y'all's transplant club. And uh, nonetheless, uh, thanks for writing in, Chris. I do appreciate it. Glenn writes in, he says, hi, John, my name is Glenn, and I live outside of St. Louis, Mo, Missouri. Uh, I haven't been, I haven't begun recovery yet, but I know I need to. Oh, this is interesting. I was searching for a sober podcast, and I listened to yours when it came up. I began listening two nights ago, and I'm on episode six. I figured I would start with the first one as you did. The speakers you've had on so far resonate with me, and it's amazing how open everyone has been. Wait till you get to further episodes, Chris. Uh, anyway, the vulnerability within Alcoholics Anonymous is just... Uh, mind-blowing. And he says, I plan on starting to go to meetings after Thanksgiving. I now realize I need help and I've tried to get sober on my own and that it was not working. Thank you, Glenn. Well, Glenn, if we can be of any service, feel free to reach out. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole has so many people out there that are will ready willing and able to help. And I appreciate you being vulnerable about your situation. And I know there are going to be many people relate to what I just read uh, on the podcast. So anyway, thanks for writing in. Cheryl writes in and she says, hi, John, I am 31 years in recovery. Alcoholics Anonymous, May 27th of 1989. And I also do ACA and OA slash EDA. So a couple things. Number one, we are two days apart in our sobriety date, Cheryl. And I told you that in my email where I wrote back uh, on May 29th. 
1989. And so, anyway, it's just so cool that you wrote in. And she says, I do ACA. I know what ACA is, Adult Children of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I do OA. And I know what that is. That's Overeaters Anonymous. And then she said, I do EDA as well. I believe EDA is Emotional Something Anonymous. My apologies. I don't know exactly what that is, but she says, I live in Florida. I just listened to the Sober Speak for the first time yesterday. For the first time yesterday, Cheryl, well, you got a lot of catching up to do. And I heard Buddy C from Georgia talking about sober meditations. It was really great. Talking about my recovery would take a long time, John, haha, but let's just say I am now living in the fourth dimension. It works good. God is good slash great exclamation point. Well, Cheryl, thank you for writing in. And uh, if you want to update me at any time, feel more than free to do that. George writes in, he says, Hi, John M. I really love your podcast, and I have gotten so much out of every episode. So it's the least I can do to make... Oh, he wrote in, he gave a small contribution to support your efforts. Thank you for all you do. I live in Connecticut. I recently celebrated... 14 months of sobriety thanks to Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been slowly but surely working the steps with my sponsor. I found Sober Speak a few months ago after doing a search for recovery-related podcasts in Stitcher. You know, I actually listen to a lot of podcasts in Stitcher as well, Mr. George. Nonetheless, he says, I checked out a few of them. Uh, a few different podcasts, but Sober Speak was the only one I continued to listen to on a regular basis. Bill C. is a favorite. Well, you're going to enjoy this episode, uh, but all of your guests have been great. I have many more episodes to catch up on. Well, yes, you do, George. He says, thank you for all your hard work and providing such a valuable recovery resource. Best, George. Well, best back to you, George. And uh, once again, uh, like all of the folks who write in, I'm just so thankful that you take time out of your schedule. I really, you know, I realize that I get one one thousandth of people who actually think about writing in or they think about, uh, you know, or they get affected in some form or fashion by sober speak. And those of you who take the time to do it, I am so appreciative because well, number one, it gives me reassurance that we are doing the right thing here with Sober Speak. And then the other thing is, is that I get to share your uh, comments on the podcast and it helps other people. So we're a big community here. Todd R. writes in, he says, he says, hey, John, took me a while, but I just finished listening to every episode. Oh, my goodness. I started listening around the time COVID surfaced. I listen to a few episodes every day to start my workshop, work shift. My favorites have been uh, Brenda J, episode 90, the Bob S's, the two episodes, 97 and 98, and Reno John, episode number 151. Those stand out for me. Thanks for helping to keep me sober and your service. I think I will keep coming back because nothing beats living in the fourth dimension of existence. Thanks again, Todd R. That's the second time we've had the fourth dimension mission mentioned here on 
listener feedback from you feedbackers, and uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, but thank you so much. And by the way, uh, if anybody wants to go back and listen to those episodes that Todd mentioned there, I think those are all great. Once again, that was Brenda J, episode 90, the two Bob S's, 97 and 98, and Reno John on episode number 151. Uh, thanks for the recommendations, Mr. Todd. Laura writes in, by the way, I told you at the beginning of this episode that you guys wrote in a lot of feedback, you feedbackers this week, and uh, I, I so much appreciate it, and I just want to get them all in. Laura writes in, and she says, thanks, John, for all you do. I'll plan on writing you a nice long email at another time, but I wanted to let you know how much it means to me that you have made a meeting between meetings available at all times, and I so much enjoy it. I'm looking forward to attending, uh, attending the Zoom session, gratefully yours, and what she's talking about here is the Zoom live event that we are having on December 4th with Mr. Gary K. Jean writes in, and she says, Hi, John. My name is Jean. I'm a very grateful alcoholic in my 21st year of sobriety. Well, I guess you could legally drink now, huh, Jean? I'm a single mom of a 25-year-old and a 20-year-old. I'm a proud grandma of a four-year-old. I work as a part-time caregiver. I live in a small town in Washington State. I love your show, big exclamation point. You are the best. Well, Gene, I think you are the best. She says, Matthew is one of my favorite speakers. Your shows, your past shows have pulled me through this pandemic. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. You're doing great. Sincerely, Gene L. Well, Gene L., thank you for the affirmation. I really appreciate it. And you keep coming back. Not only keep coming back to Sober Speak, but keep coming back to AA as a whole. Finally, Lauren writes in and she says, John, I live in Lakewood, Colorado. And I'm a stay-at-home mom to a three-year-old boy with another baby boy on the way. You're going to be a busy lady. Well, I'm sure you're already busy, Lauren. But anyway, she says, so cool because this time around, I'm not sober just because I'm pregnant. I'm sober and pregnant. (laughs) That's great. She says, I got sober on January 5th of 2020. By going to AA meetings, finding a loving sponsor, and formatting an amazing, forming an amazing fellowship of sober women. Bad things still happen, but today I'm not making them worse. I listen to your podcast often, in addition to some others on the topic of sobriety. Just like in a meeting, I always hear something that I need to hear when I listen. Thanks for asking about my journey and including me in the Facebook group. Take care, Lauren. Well, you are welcome, Lauren, and I'm glad we got you in that super secret Facebook group. All right, everybody, that does it. Another week under the belt. As I always say, I take this one week at a time. God bless you all. Love you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it.